The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Accessing. State of search. Live from Europe. Welcome to the home of the latest search marketing news and views of the world. Welcome to the state of search. Our hosts scope the entire search marketing space from Berlin to Bucharest, London to Lisbon, the Silicon Valley and beyond. Search marketers from around the world discuss the latest headlines and issues in search engine marketing, social media, and more. WebmasterRadio.fm presents State of Search with your hosts, Boss Bondenveld and Roy Hoiskies. Hello, a very good evening uh, in um, uh, all over the world, actually. In Holland, uh, it's evening, it's 8 o'clock, it's uh, 7 in the UK, and uh, I think it's in the afternoon somewhere in the US. Uh, this is another episode of the Status Search Radio Show on Webmaster Radio. Um, uh, usually, I'm joined by Roy, and I will be uh, later on, but Roy is stuck in the Dutch trains, uh, all, uh, all things. It's very misty here in Holland, so the trains are having issues getting him home in time, and Apparently, on a trip which usually takes him about uh, an hour and a half, he's, he's already four hours traveling right now. So um, he'll be here uh, with us uh, shortly, I hope, within about uh, 10, 15 minutes. So um, meanwhile, we're going to uh, start off the show uh, with uh, uh, our guest, uh, who is on the line with me at the moment, uh, Mr. Stephen Pavlovich. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Bas. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Welcome on the show. It's good to, to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, you're you're in London at the moment. That's right. Yeah. How's England doing? Uh, pretty cold at the moment, but um, celebrating the good news today. Yeah, it's, I've I've heard the news that uh, Mr. Prince uh, William is going to be married, right? Uh, to uh, what's her name, Kate? I think. That's the one. Kate Middleton. Yeah, it's uh, big news, of course, all all around Europe, and uh, apparently uh, her. Uh, uh, the great thing we heard this afternoon is that uh, she calls uh, her husband to be uh, her big Willie. So that's uh, really great. <laughs> that's, uh, that can only happen in England. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's all about the uh, uh, well, the upcoming wedding. And uh, you know, I don't know when, when is it anyway. I have I have no idea. I've not really been listening to the news too much today. <laughs> I just the heard loyal citizen. I just heard two things: and one, they're getting married, and two, he calls, she calls him her big Willie. So that, that, that's about it. Um, anyway, um, we're going to have a great show today because we're uh, going to talk about um, your expertise, which is uh, uh, com- conversion rate optimization um, or conversion optimization. Um, and uh, we've uh, actually prepared this show on the website statussearch.com, where we. Uh, placed uh, a, well, a small post. Uh, we opened the discussion, uh, which are the biggest myths in uh, conversion uh, optimization, and you introduced already the first one. But before we uh, get into that, um, why don't you introduce yourself to uh, our audience who's listening uh, into this show, either uh, live or on the downloaded podcast? Um, sure, which is on absolutely. Actors, Great. So I've been working in conversion optimization for. 
five, five or six years or so now. I originally started out doing SEO and PPC um, with a little bit of conversion on the side, um, but very quickly moved on to focusing exclusively on conversion optimization. So I work across um, all kinds of industries from health and fitness to finance, weight loss, travel, um, e-commerce. So working across all kinds of niches, looking to get uh, big increases in, in the conversion rate as quickly as possible for the clients that I work for. Right. So how did you get into uh, conversion? Because that's, it's not, there's no education for conversion optimization? There. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult industry to, um, to get into, um, to, to build up your expertise in. The way I got started out was, um, like I said, I was doing SEO and PPC, so I was working in-house for uh, an e-commerce company. And it got to the point where we were ranking first for pretty much all of the keywords that we wanted to target. So we had the choice either to um, go after broader keywords um, and look to bring in the traffic that way and, and bump up the revenue accordingly, or to focus on the conversion rate instead. And this was at around the time that Google was uh, just about to release Google Website Optimizer, which made it much, much more. It made it free to split test, whereas previously the cost was quite prohibitive. Um, so I got started at, at that point, and within... I think it was between three and four months into working with that client, we increased the conversion rate over 600%, and this was a, a fairly successful e-commerce client already. Um, so the, the conversion rate just went crazy. Um, so then, and from what, that was point it, forward, that an, Sorry, go I'm ahead. I'm sorry? No, I was, I was going to ask, was that an eye-opener? Were you like, whoa, uh, we can do this? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was, I, was being, I was being paid on commission at the time as well, so it was, um, it was a good thing to be working on. And, yeah, it just went, it went crazy within three months or so of working on it. And then from that point forward, I um, developed working on conversion optimization with a lot of other clients as well and haven't looked back. So you, you've got your own company, right? Absolutely, yeah. I run a company called Conversion Factory. Um, so through that, I do uh, private consulting on uh, a small number of clients, as well as speaking at conferences in uh, Europe, the US, and Australasia. Great. Were you one of the first actually um, doing this? Um, I think conversion is about four or five years old. Well, at least that yeah, I mean, took it seriously. I think uh, website optimizer, Google Website Optimizer really kicked it off to a certain extent. Um, I mean, the, the principles have been uh, date back as long as advertising has existed. So there's nothing... The only thing that's new is really the the techniques that we have to to track it and the and the tools that we're using to communicate. Um, but in terms of con conversion optimization as a um, as an industry in itself, it, yeah, it's, it's relatively new. I think it's it's running a few years behind SEO, but it's becoming the the new hot topic. So a lot of people are now talking about that. Yeah, well, of course, it is an important topic because a lot of people still make the mistake of thinking, well, we just need the traffic, but. All, of course. Absolutely. I mean, the, the old analogy is um, it's like having a, a bucket with holes in it. You can pour more water in, but if you're leaking traffic, if you're um, if you're not able to to maintain that, then there's no point in in pouring more um, pouring more traffic into the website. Oh, great analogy, by the way. So uh, um, um, we, uh, as I said, we opened up the discussion already on the, uh, on the website. And we got a lot of questions and, and remarks on uh, on the website too. We're going to get, go into those uh, in a minute. Um, uh, as for those who are listening live, by the way, and if you're not in the chat room, please uh, come on uh, over and uh, get into the chat room. 
because uh, there are a lot of people there. You can ask questions to Stephen and, and, and to, uh, uh, to me also, but I'm not, not the conversion <laughs> expert here. I just uh, use my common sense on that. Uh, and uh, um, uh, you can uh, really ask questions to, uh, uh, to, both, to both of us and also Roy, who will be coming in later. So go to webmasterradio.fm, uh, go into the chat room and, uh, and join us there. There are a lot of people there uh, wondering if uh, Stephen can do an Indian accent because that's Rishio who was on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and he's a good friend uh, of Stephen also, I think. So, uh, it's also not just uh, good questions. It's also very um, uh, fun to be in the chat room. So come on over there. Okay, let's, uh, let's get to uh, um, some of the things we saw already on the website. Um, what we did is we opened up the discussion saying what are the biggest myths in uh, conversion uh, optimization and, and you, you yourself uh, uh, came up with the first one uh, to trigger people and uh, the first one is uh, you said um, that you can copy what works for other people. Um, can you explain that? What yeah, absolutely. That? I mean, there's um, the more people learn about conversion optimization, the, the more certain um, misconceptions get spread and so a lot of those are, you know, I... If, if someone did a, a split test on their own website and it had a positive effect on the conversion rate, then a lot of the time they're, you know, they're keen to share that with other people, which is a, a great thing to do. The difficulty is when people then think that they can apply the change to their own website and get a similar impact on the conversion rate. Um, often it's, um, it's not always possible. I mean, even within, with clients working in the same industry to make a change on both websites and see a similar impact on the conversion rate. Each website will have different issues that are affecting why their their visitors aren't converting. And so to to take something from one website and apply it to another without testing it first, it's um it's it's not necessarily going to work. And at, at best it will increase the conversion rate, but you might not know. At worst it will lower the conversion rate and again you wouldn't know. So it's it's a it's a great way to get ideas to see what other people are working on obviously. Um but I would um Always be very wary about implementing and implementing any changes to the website blind. So it's not, it's not a set of rules you use to optimize the site. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 easy to say. You know, um, we made our um, call to action red and it increased the conversion rate twenty four percent, and so everyone has red call to actions. And and you see that a lot now with um, a lot of people are starting to emulate uh, Basecamp and the way that they promote uh, Basecamp in terms of the table that they use for the pricing the the text that they have on the call to action, for example. So a lot of these um, uh, these new changes are being spread across the internet, but there's a difficulty that they aren't always going to increase the conversion rate. So exactly like you say, you can you can take it uh, and, and test it out yourself. But the in, in terms of best practice, the best practice is the, the strategy that you use for finding out why people aren't converting and fixing them, mm. and not in the, not in the actual solutions themselves. Yeah, but um, but of course there are some things you look at right away when when you see a website. I mean, I mean, every SEO does it when they look at a site. They immediately have one, two, three things they they look at um, because they well <laughs> they can't do anything else but look at, <laughs> at those elements. Uh, are there elements you immediately look at when you see a website? Absolutely. I mean, you can always get a good a good understanding of a website. You know, when you first look at it, when you're using it as a potential customer would. You're going to get insight into it that will um, be able to tell you um, what might potentially be affecting your own visit, which you can then fix to increase the conversion rate. I mean, even with that in mind, um, it's always it's always best to to split test the the changes that you make, simply because there's a there's a risk that if you're if you're making a change that's going to affect why people aren't converting, um, you need to make sure it's it's having a positive impact because there's it's all too easy for it to go the other way. 
um, by way of an example, we've been working with a client recently who are um, they're an e-commerce client in the UK. We know that delivery is a key issue for their clients, and so we've been looking at the the way that we're phrasing the messaging about delivery on the product pages in the shopping basket and the checkout and so on. And with one of the split tests that we run, we actually found out that the the messaging on delivery, which was which should have increased the conversion rate, actually decreased it. Um, so it was only by tweaking the copy that we were using that we were able to increase the conversion rate by around 25-30% on that particular instance. Um, and so even if something looks like a dead cert, if you think it's it's bound to increase the conversion rate, it's, it's still best to test it just to make sure, A, that it is increasing the conversion rate, but also secondly to make sure that it will, it will give you an indication of which elements have the biggest impact. So if you can find one thing that has a big impact on the conversion rate in the shopping basket, for example, you can then think, well, how can we apply that same principle to the checkout as well, or how can we apply that to the product pages? Yeah. So is, is it a constant learning process? So Absolutely. Are you, I mean, are you learning every, uh, every site you optimize? Absolutely. I mean, a, a lot of it is in terms of the, the process bit that's being used to, to optimize the websites as, opposed, as well as the specific techniques. So I'd always recommend that people keep a, a swipe file. So every, every time they see um, What's that? an email, uh, a swipe file is basically taking, um, taking a copy of anything that you see from other companies that persuades you or that you think is a, an example of good advertising or email marketing. So if you see um, uh, a good persuasive um, product page, for example, or if um, someone sends a, an email to you that you think that, that catches your attention, then it's always good to take a, a screenshot of it, um, store it away, um, use something like um, Evernote is a great piece of software for, for storing this kind of thing. Um, so just as an example, I got an email about 30, 40 minutes ago from uh, John Lewis, which is a big um, which is a big high street retailer in the UK. Um, but they sent a, an email saying that they're now matching a competitor's sale and, and directing you to the website as a result. So it's quite an interesting tactic that hasn't that I haven't really seen too much before. So it's, it's always good to just take a take a quick screenshot, and then if you want to refer back to these in the future, then you can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to address something which uh, um, is going on also in the chat room, um, and that's that um, if you look at conversion optimization, one thing which happens, uh, still happens too much, I think, with SEO is that people see it as a separate, um, uh, well, separate job, actually. It's not just the, uh, it, when they build a website, and they think, at the end, they think, okay, let's do SEO. Um, sure. There's, there's a danger with uh, uh, conversion optimization that the same happens. Um, how do you, when do you get conversion optimization into the online marketing process, so to speak? Yeah, it's, um, there's there's definitely a lot of overlap there. Um, in terms of when I would apply um, the conversion optimization process, it's always good to have an insight into it from the very start. I mean, as, as people are saying in the chat room, a lot of it is about common sense um, in terms of finding out what's going to motivate your visitors and, and will turn them into customers uh, and then applying that insight into the website from the very beginning. In terms of actually engaging with um, a consultant on conversion optimization, that would be a strategy normally that would be best to, to start when you're in a, in a profitable state. So when it will, um, it's always easy to get the, the car moving faster, as it were, than to get it started in, in the very beginning. So I'd recommend yeah. that if, if a client were considering conversion optimization, get to a point where you're, uh, you're profitable on AdWords, you're generating a, a reasonable amount of revenue, you're getting the traffic in so that you'll be able to split test. And then from that point onwards, conversion optimization can make a huge difference. It can 
make you so much more profitable on AdWords that you're then able to increase the traffic that you're getting to the website, which will have a massive impact on the, on the revenue as a result. So what you're saying in the case of conversion optimization, it is better to actually do it when you're done with the website. It's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, it's good to have it, that insight in there from the start because if it's a completely new website, you don't want to go off down the, down the wrong track. Um, but at the same time, um, it has a more pronounced effect and a more measurable effect when the company is already established. So, so you start off with the basic elements like don't put a huge banner on top of your, uh, your page, your, your, your landing page, and those elements you start off with, and then, um, which also is, of course, conversion uh, optimization in a way. Uh, exactly. And then you optimize it when you're done by doing testing and then optimizing. Precisely. I mean, ultimately, it's, it's, it's going to be an ongoing process from when you have the initial concept for a new business right through to when it's a six, seven, eight, nine-figure company. Um, at every stage, there are always going to be um, ways that you can optimize individual conversion rates, whether it's uh, getting people to, um, to become a customer for the first instance or um, mm -hmm. maximizing the lifetime customer value. Okay. Um, we're going to go to our first uh, break. Um, actually, one last thing uh, in the chat room: somebody says it's like common sense marketing, which is actually quite quite a nice uh, way of putting it. Um, though I think there's a little bit more to just common sense on optimizing uh, websites. Um, we're going to go to our first break, and then after the break, uh, Roy's going to join us because the train actually uh, got him home. So uh, we'll be back right after the break with uh, Stephen Petrovich and Roy. State of Search returns to cover the world of search marketing after we thank our sponsors. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money. You can promote any product immediately. No contracts required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. Hey, Joel Com here, and I want you to hear something. That's my ka-ching button, and it's the universal sound of success. Sounds good, doesn't it? How would you like to hear that ka-ching sound all the time? In my new book, Ka-ching, How to Run an Online Business That Pays and Pays, I lay out a strategy and a plan for you to create your own online success. Get your copy today at kachingbook.com and I'll give you a ka-ching button for free. All the details are there at kachingbook.com. That's K-A-C-H-I-N-G book.com. Stop sending pointless emails late at night to pretend you work harder than everyone else. What you should be working with the premier B2B on-air and on-demand podcast network on the web, webmasterradio.fm. Our team will customize your message to reach the affiliate marketers and merchants that access our network every day. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm for a consultation today. It's time. it's time to get inside with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're listening to State of Search on webmasterradio.fm. Here are your hosts. 
Welcome back uh, to um, the Status Search uh, radio show. We're having a very special uh, show today. We're talking to Stephen Pavlovich, who is a conversion uh, optimization. How do you call yourself, Stephen? Conversion optimization people? Uh, yeah, co uh, consultant, I guess. Consultant. Uh, so a conversion optimization consultant. Uh, he's got his own company, and he's. Uh, uh, we've uh, started off the discussion on uh, Status Search uh, before the show yesterday, and uh, we got some uh, interesting... Uh, quotes there which we're going to discuss and um, we had to do the first part of the show without Roy but thank God he's there hey Roy hey boss hey Stephen how are you doing hey Roy well we're doing good you've had some uh, train issues I understand uh, you could you could say so yeah well, well let's not get into that because you start <laughs> that's with, a very you, smart you, idea boss <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll start ranting even before <laughs> no no I wasn't even going to bring it up so it's fine everybody who's <laughs> following me on Twitter understands Dutch knows what I'm talking about all yeah. the others please please forget <laughs> I think everybody's had their share of train issues so they're, they're probably uh, everybody will understand um, yeah well, we've been talking to uh, uh, Stephen uh, on uh, conversion optimization. We've uh, already uh, discussed uh, well his first quote: that "You can't copy works uh, what works for other people." And um, we've uh, as said we've had on the uh, on the website some some interesting uh, quotes and questions. And um, there's one question uh, in there which I uh, uh, want to throw in, uh, in into Stephen also. Um, uh, from San Murray, one of our bloggers, who, who says uh, he's sure that a lot of people will uh, find it useful to know what tools Stephen will recommend. And um, as, as you, you mentioned, the, the website optimization, uh, the optimizer from Google, uh, which kind of started things off, uh, which of course immediately raises the question, are there tools which you can use and are the tools different from uh, the regular SEO tools? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the tools that, um, that I'll be using fall into um, one of two categories. Ultimately, they um, they either allow you to to understand your your visitors better, um, to uh, to interact with them on the website, or actually to to enable you to do the split testing. So, um, there's actually three categories. So, the main ones that I use on the, on a regular day to day basis, um, I use the staples like um, Crazy Egg, uh, Survey Gizmo, and Survey Monkey to get a very very good understanding of the visitors to the website as well as existing clients. Um, also, Kiss Insights is great um, as a way of using a survey on on the website to to interact with visitors to ask them specific questions. Um, it's a it's a brilliant way to get um, a lot of feedback very very quickly. In terms of testing, um, as you said, Google Website Optimizer is a um, fantastic tool to use. It's very easy to get up and running with it, um, and it's obviously free, so there's a, a low-cost entry. Um, alongside that, the main other split testing tool that I'd be using is uh, Visual Website Optimizer, um, which is awesome at doing slightly more advanced testing than you can do with Google Website Optimizer out of the box. So Visual Website Optimizer will allow you to... Um, to do some quite complex dynamics uh, tests across multiple pages. You can do multiple goals as well. It's got some neat features in there where you can, uh, it will take screenshots of the test pages for you so that you don't have to remember to do that yourself. So six months down the line, you can remember what you were talking about before and uh, what you were split testing. So Visual Web Optimizer is a, is a great one to use. Right at the moment, I'm also looking into um, other tools like uh, Mongoose Metrics is one which is, 
um, which has come onto the radar fairly recently, which is a tool that will allow you to uh, link up with offline conversions as well through, uh, through phone calls. So that seems to be a, quite an interesting area to explore as well. Uh, would you, how was the last one called? You say Mongoose Metrics? Um, Mongoose, Mongoose Metrics. I'll, I'll post a link in the chat room. Okay, Mongoose Metrics. Um, oh, yeah, found it. Uh, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to ask this stupid question here uh, <laughs> because a lot of people will, uh, they, they always keep asking me that question, so I'm, I'm just going to forward that one. Um, are, any, are any of the tools free and um, are are there free tools who are actually useful, or shouldn't you trust? It's three questions in one, but um, can you trust the free tools which are out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of the the split testing tools, is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, any kind of tools you use for, for optimizers. Yeah, I mean, Google Web Optimizer is free, um, and it's it's very very robust. Um, I mean, there are there are tools which will allow you to do more complex tests quicker. Um, but Google Web Optimizer is um, is perfect for people who are just looking to to get started. Um, likewise, you can get um, free accounts with tools like um, Kiss Insights, for example, um, which will allow you a certain amount of data. But it's uh, it's definitely better to to go with a full account because then you can you can really customize the questions that you're asking visitors on your website. Okay, uh, so you're you're. Uh, um uh, so sorry, um, I, I was looking for the, the the Kiss one you said. Which one is that? Sure, uh, kissinsights.com. I'll post that in the chat room as well. Great. Thanks. I'll, I'll collect all the links and put them in the show notes tomorrow so that if you're listening to this in a uh, podcast format, you just go to setasearch.com and we'll put all the links which we uh, were talking about uh, on the website. Brilliant. Um, Okay, uh, so that's kissinsights.com. Um, uh, it's always I'm asking the question also because, um, well, this is one topic where a lot of uh, people might be hesitant to start it off to actually do it because they don't first they don't know how to and it can be uh, well it can be expensive, right? Not necessarily. I mean, if if you wanted to get started off um, yourself, then you can use it. Um, you can use a tool like Google Website Optimizer. You can design and develop the alternatives yourself. Um, so it's a there doesn't have to be a, a huge cost for entry. I mean, if you're if you're looking to get started, there's a, a huge amount of um, resources available online that will tell you what kind of things you should be testing. I mean, I think the, the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is they're doing um, they're testing things that aren't really that important. So one thing that comes up a lot is um, you know people who decide to test the, the color of their buttons, for example, the, the call to action on their website, which can have a, a slight increase on, on some websites. Um, on a lot of them, it doesn't have much impact at all. And so a lot of people might start with a test like that and then the test, because there's not really much difference between the two pages other than you know, one color is green, one is red, um, then the test will take a long time to run because there's not a huge amount of difference in the conversion rate, meaning that you then run the test for two months, three months, and then it kind of fizzles out and, and they don't really progress anywhere. Ultimately, what people should be doing is if they want to get started with conversion optimization, design a completely different page to, to the landing page that you're using at the moment and look to split test that. Um, I wrote a post for SEMOS which details the, the basic process that I use when looking to, to understand visitors to a website, which will then give you the ideas for how you should be developing that landing page, how you can develop the website. And when, and you, when you take the, the, so that's supposed to definite how-to guide for conversion rate optimization, right? That's the one, yeah. 
And so if, if you, when you take that information, um, it will give you the ideas for the things that really matter. Because ultimately, um, as, the, as the guys are saying in the chat room, uh, conversion optimization is common sense marketing. Um, the starting point that I always use is finding out why people aren't converting and then fixing it. Um, so if people aren't converting because they don't trust you or they think you're too expensive, um, then those are the things that you need to be fixing. If you're changing the color of your button, then what you're effectively saying is, I think people aren't converting on my website because um, the button's green as opposed to red, for example. So that's the kind of thing where with a couple of websites, it can have a, an impact, but on the whole, it's better to start with um, bigger, bolder tests that really target the reason why people aren't converting. Mm. You're raising another point there, the, the, the color of the buttons, uh, which Roy will uh, like because Roy is also a designer. Uh, so Roy, what kind of buttons do you uh, hate on a website or do you love? What kind? The ones who convert, actually. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as it's, compl it's complementary in color, it's just most of the time it's fine. Okay, so the color of uh, a call to action button, for example, uh, um, doesn't matter. It, well, it, it should be. I think it should be complementary uh, instead of uh, if, if you have an orange website that doesn't have any use to have an orange button on there. Green or blue would be nice, but I think other than that, it, it won't make that much of a difference. Will, will it? For, uh, there are there are some case studies that you can see where it has had um, an impact on the conversion rate. Ultimately, I think. Um, I mean, it's, it's fine to do it as a, as a split test if you realize that you know, most websites aren't going to see a big increase in the conversion rate by changing the, call, uh, the color of the call to action. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're doing something like you know, the color at the moment really blends in with the rest of the website so it's not standing out, then yeah, you can change it to a, an opposing color and, and, and pull it out a lot more. Um, but ultimately, there are much, much more important things that you can be um, split testing on the website. Okay, so is that is that a myth? Because that that's what two people said. Two people said on the uh, uh, on on the comments of the post. Uh, well, that the, the color of the call to action button uh, does not have a huge impact. That's that's a myth. That, that, that um, I think it, it it can with some websites. I mean, what I would say is um, a, lo a lot of people um, have seen case study. I think there was one by I think it was Performable did a case study on on changing the the color of their call to action, and they saw a a decent impact um, in the conversion rate from that. So it can certainly work on, on some websites, um, but I wouldn't, I, I mean, really what I'm opposed to is people saying changing the color of your call to action to red will increase the conversion rate by 20%. If you make a blanket statement like that, then it's obviously, you know, it, it doesn't really stack up. Hmm. And what, like uh, Alan Blywise says in the, uh, um, in the chat room, size, position, words uh, on and around the button, are much more important than color. You agree on absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, the color is really. I mean, the, the main point about the color is just making sure that the button stands out, that, you, that people are going to be see, that, that people will see it and they'll pay attention to it. Um, like he says, size is important. I mean, size and positioning in terms of making sure that it's it's not going to be missed by the customers. That's huge. Yeah. Still there. The the wording. If you looked, um, I know. Um, Basing on their on their call to action claim, I'm not entirely convinced about the way that Basecamp run their tests. Um, but in terms of the call to action that they're using, um, I think it, it, it can be very very effective. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to load up their website at the moment. Um, so at the moment, their their call to action is C plans and pricing, and underneath the call to action itself, it says 30 day free trial. Sign up in 60 seconds. 
or take a quick turn. So basically what they're doing is with the call to action itself, see bands and pricing, they're making it sound um, like it's not going to be a huge commitment for you to, to click to the next step. With the text underneath the button, they're saying 30-day free trial, which is what a lot of people who come to the website will be looking for. Um, people will be concerned about you know how much information they have to give in the sign-up process or how long it's going to take. So they say sign up in 60 seconds. And for people who aren't quite ready, they've got the text or take a quick tour, which links to um, a tour giving you more information about Basecamp. So it's a great way of, of overcoming the objections as well as reassuring people along the along the process which you'll see a much bigger impact exactly as alan says you'll you'll get much um, better effect from making those kind of changes as opposed to using a red button instead of green okay. um there's one question in the um on the website which i also kind of like which i um i've always wondered about and this guy I, I actually asked it it's uh, super dave asked it um not Dave Naylor, by the way, Super Dave, but uh, another Dave. Um, he says uh, he'd like to hear your thoughts on contact inquiry page optimization because um, he says uh, people often uh, comment that it's important to have an image of a customer server resultant and an image of your company's building on a contact page. Um, you also see a lot of people who are fake, um, not really working with the company. You see a lot of those pictures. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a it's a really good question. I mean, I think there's there's no one size fits all approach. I mean, in terms of um, the the photograph question, I mean, the first thing to avoid is um, stock photos. I, I would steer clear of those because there's nothing that will make you look more like a bit of a shonky operation than if you've got a kind of generic call center photo on there. Especially if people have any concerns about the validity of your business or whether you actually exist, if you use stock photos and and say you know this person works in a call center. Then it's it's going to make you uh, it's it's not going to come across too well. In terms of optimizing the contact the contact form itself, I'll be looking to find out um, what are people's concerns before filling in the contact form. And often it's questions like, is this company going to be able to help? Um, if they call me back, will I get a hard sell? Um, how long is is it going to take them to to get back to me when I send the form uh, when I fill out the form? So you can do a lot of things like you can say you know we're open between. 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. in the evening. Um, we try to get back to, we'll, we'll get back to you within two hours, for example. Um, in terms of the hard sell, it's, it's useful to reassure people that, um, I mean, I was, I was doing exactly this question with uh, a client of mine yesterday, and they're in a really good position because they don't employ sales staff to answer the phone. They actually have people who can advise on the industry that they work in. So we can make a big point about the fact that they don't employ sales staff that they get advisors so that you know they'll be able to help the customer find the right product even if it means that they don't end up buying from this particular company beyond okay. that i'd look at um i mean in terms of images of staff and premises that can certainly help if you want if you're a company that people haven't heard of then showing an image of your premises if you've got a big imposing office then yeah put a put a, an image of that on the website and it'll have a, a big impact i mean there's one uh one site i did see where they you tried to do that kind of thing where they took a, a picture of an office and then photoshopped their name onto the onto the top of the building, which <laughs> is about which is possibly the worst thing that you can do because if you know as soon as people spot that they're obviously gonna gonna run a mile. And there's one other one other tip that can work nicely, which is um if you do actually show photos of people who will be answering the phone, then that can be a, a great way to get not only to get people to call, call up, um, but it can also increase the conversion rate of that particular um, person when they answer the when they do end up answering the phone, 
Um, mm. Beyond that, I mean, one other, one other quick tip on this is a lot of people um, on contact pages tend to use, um, so in the UK they, they might be using 0845 numbers or numbers that aren't free to call from a cell phone. Um, so I'd certainly look at um, uh, overcoming that objection as well, so using a, a geographical uh, number because that's a great way to um, not only to, to increase the amount of trust in the business because it will show that you're tied to a physical location, but it will also help yeah. people who are, who are calling from work, which at the, at the moment a lot of people will be. That, that's a very interesting point because that, that's actually the only reason I still have a landline here. Um, that um, I'm, I want to put an um, actual phone number, so to speak, not a mobile phone number on, on the website because um, it, well, it, it's all about trust, I think. Um, so people want to trust uh, the, the company they're, they're seeing. Um, on the website, and um, well, a number can help. But th there's also one other thing, which uh, when I started off working for my myself, I uh, built the website, I wrote the texts, and I had my dad look at the texts, uh, not because he knew what I was going to be doing, but because he knows about language. And um, I wrote the texts uh, when he said, well, why are you using the word we instead of I? It's just you, right? Um, he was right, of course, but the reason I did that at first was because I wanted to have people trust the fact that I wasn't just somebody trying to, uh, well, start off of his own, just build trust immediately. But I'm not sure now, it's six years ago, seven years ago, um, whether that's still the right way to go. I'm, I'm quite curious how you, Stephen, and also you, well, how, how you guys think about that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a fair point. I mean, a lot of it will ultimately come down to the the industry that you work in and how you want to be perceived. Because I mean, in the example that you give, depending on whether you use I or we, there will obviously be um, be a difference in how people perceive you as a result. Some some so if if you're pitching a, an SEO um, company, for example, and you use either I or we, people will perceive you differently. Um, there'll be some clients who want to work with um, who will actually prefer to work with a one-man band, who will prefer to work with someone who's an expert in their own right as opposed to going with a bigger agency. Um, so a lot of that comes, comes down to brand perception. So I think, again, there's no, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. It will be ultimately down to um, each individual company and how they want to be perceived and what objections people have before completing that contact us form. Well, what's your take on that, Ryan? Are you just still right? Is that what's your take on that? You use the word we? You just started your own company and you're going to use the word we or you're going to use the word No, I'm going to use the word I, I think. Uh, I think I, I'm, I'm using I, but I want myself the same thing. Should I be using the we or I um, kind of thing? And, and sometimes I actually use my, my company name to do so. But I think that's even worse. But so I don't know. Why, why do you think you're using I and not me? Because I'm a lame ass and I don't want to talk in we. <laughs> it's royal. <laughs> it's a so royal had, we. You missed that, but we, we talked about royalty at the start of the show. <laughs> so, oh. so. <laughs> so that's not it. Okay. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's an interesting point, I think, because a lot of uh, people who are starting off are having those issues. And, and it all depends on what you want to uh, oh, be. I think it should fit what you you how you are. I mean, if you if if somebody calls me and asks for how many people are you, how many people are you working? I mean, what the hell am I going to answer if it says we, and it's and it's only me? 
I mean, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't it look stupid? It should build trust, but if 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 somebody asks for it, doesn't it just uh, bring down the trust issue? Yeah, uh, it could be. Yeah, the thing is that I think that if you are targeting companies who only want um, uh, people with uh, or companies with more uh, people in it. Uh, then, well, it's, it's probably the wrong company to target anyway, because you know you're never going to get the job. So that, that's that's my whole point. I mean, if you would like to work for uh, we kind of companies or uh, or a gen- build a we kind of company, I mean, you should start doing that instead of. Uh, I mean, there's not not a big chance that people are falling for the we trick. Uh, will fall for your sales <laughs> pitch if you're not with two people at least uh, the first time you're there. Yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah. There's of course one one other sidestep on that. That uh, the way I work, for example, is that uh, people could be hiring me, but I could be taking you, who are who's also a freelancer, uh, to the job. In that case, it, I become sweet. Mm. Well, uh, no, well, I don't know. <laughs> I shouldn't take you to the job anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, the, the whole point is in the, there in that case it would be um, am I billing you or am I billing the customer for that? I mean, then you should talk about you as a group sure. kind of thing or in, in, a, in a group it's, kind of... It's about billing. I, I, it's more about servicing, I would say. Yeah, but then again, I mean, you're not servicing it. Is it... If it's a combined effort, if if I'm just hiring you to do the entire job, no. But if I'm hiring you to do a part of the job, yes. I don't know. If if I build a customer directly, I mean, it's not still not we, in my opinion. It's you and your network. Yeah. But, yeah, and it's not we. No, it's not we as a company. As long, no, no, I, it's uh, the company is still you. Yeah. Right. So that, that's right. Yeah, I, that's the way I look at it. But uh, who cares? I mean, let's talk about conversion optimization again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think one more question before uh, we hit uh, the final break. Or um, no, let's hit the final break now. And then, uh, Roy, you also uh, mentioned something in the comments of the post, so uh, you can ask that one uh, after the final break. And um, we'll go into the final fifteen minutes of this show. So, Brasco, can you take us to the commercials? State of search returns to cover the world of search marketing after we thank our sponsors. Stop sending pointless emails late at night to pretend you work harder than everyone else. When you should be working with the premier B2B on-air and on-demand podcast network on the web, webmasterradio.fm. Our team will customize your message to reach the affiliate marketers and merchants that access our network every day. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm for a consultation today. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. So you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. 
Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. Purse Strings, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're listening to State of Search on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are your hosts. Hi, welcome back to the uh, third part and final part of the State of Search radio show, which is a great show today. We're talking about conversion optimization uh, uh, with Stephen Pavlovich, uh, who also, like uh, somebody else in the chat room, said that uh, this show could go on for two hours, actually, which is true. So I'm, I'm just suggesting that maybe uh, in two weeks' time or something, we just uh, do a follow-up. <laughs> uh, maybe we should do a, a second show on this uh, topic, because I think there's a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot to talk about. Um, Roy, you had a question uh, for Stephen, or at least a topic uh, you wanted to address. Yeah, well, I don't know if what, what you guys talked about in the first 20 minutes, of course, but uh, if you look Pretty at brilliant. conversion... Okay. <laughs> no, didn't miss a thing, though. <laughs> um, I mean, if you look at uh, things that work, I mean, there's, there's in general stuff that will work on most sites, like testimonials, uh, I mean, it's not anything you can copy, but there's a fair chance if you don't have a testimonial, getting a testimonial on your website should be good. Uh, do you see any of those typical kind of things uh, in a difference between business to business and business to consumer? Um, ultimately, I think the, the process is always going to be pretty similar between the two in terms of um, really trying to identify why people aren't converting it. Um, so I think, like you say, there's going to be some things that will cross over between the two. Um, testimonials being a being a great example. Um, but a lot of the time, people's you know when people are buying, whether as consumers or as a business, their their needs are going to be pretty similar. Um, because even if you're if you're marketing to a, to a business, there there's going to be a, a, a person within that business who's going to have the ultimate sign off on on this decision, and, and they're going to have a very similar role to that consumer. So you know they'll be wanting they they'll have their own internal goals which aren't necessarily aligned with their business. So ultimately, um, B2B and B2C conversion optimization, it's, it's pretty similar in terms of the process that you'd use. You'd need to find out, again, you know, starting from first principles, find out um, why people aren't converting, what their objections are, what their misconceptions are, how they look at how they're using the website and what they're, which parts of the website they're accessing, where the great content is, making sure that they're able to access that content very, very quickly and easily. Um, and that those principles apply whether you're doing B2B or B2C. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was actually hoping for a quick tip, but yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the now, thing. I, I, mean, I know there, it's hard to give g g quick tips, but um, um, let's say, for, for instance, if you do, um, I, it's just, uh, I assume something. It's not something I, I know for sure. But um, a phone number is more important for business-to-business -business websites uh, because they tend to take the phone to, to take the phone before they uh, start ordering. To ask questions, for instance. I mean, if if I were working on a B two B website, I mean, I, I, yeah, that's a that's a very fair point. A lot of the time, um, 
the decision is it's not going to be an impromptu decision. They're not going to come to your website and decide to place an order for ten thousand euros straight away. It's 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 going to be um, it's going to take a longer time for them to come to that decision. It'll often be a consensus decision as well, in that they'll need to speak with one or more other people as well. Mm-hmm. So what you need to yeah. do as a result is um, find a way to to get that person's contact details. So to deliver them some content that's going to be valuable to them that will answer their need, you know, irrespective of whether they end up going with your company or not. So getting that um, contact information from them and then using that as a way to to lead into the ultimate sale. So you need to play. Um, you often need to play a longer game. But then you get that in you get that in B two C as well. So if, for example, you're working with a a client that sells. Um, if they sell cars or furniture or something that has a, a fairly long uh, buying process where people don't wake up one morning and decide to buy a new BMW, then it's, <laughs> it's a similar, similar, well, depends who you are, I guess, but it, there's a similar process at work that you need to you need to find a way of bridging the gap between the initial visit to the website and the, and the time when they're, they're, when they're able to convert. Okay. Um, Saying buying a BMW, I actually have another question, but I don't know if it's, it's the right place for for this, um, how uh, what's your what's your what do you see as business models in, in conversion optimization? It's it's more. Uh, I mean, you can do like a lot of ways. Uh, as as a company, you're going to do well conversion optimization for people. You can have a lot of different business models. Um, what's what's your kind of business model? What's your favorite in that case? The way that I do it is um, high end consulting for a small number of clients. So taking on like I say, a, a, a working with a very small number of clients at any one time um, and looking to, to optimize them and to, to develop their conversion rate as quickly and rapidly as possible. So um, most recently I've been working with clients like um, crazyegg.com is, is a good example. Um, it's, it's one that um, we're both able to talk about publicly. With them, mm-hmm. um, I mean, during, during the first three months of working together um, earlier this year, we increased the conversion rate by... Uh, by over 100%, so we we more than doubled the conversion rate in, yeah, like I say, within about 12, 13 weeks or so of, of starting work together. So there's even with a company as as well established and as switched on as crazy, it's it's still possible to get big in, increases in the conversion rate. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe we should go to the next question. I mean, I can I can keep asking questions, but... If we're not through with the whole comment on the website thing, is it? Uh, well, the, the, the questions which are now mainly there, so we've only got five minutes, five minutes left there, so, uh, are questions like, okay, do, do you give examples of, of good wins? Uh, that, that, like Michelle's asking. People want to know what are the quick wins? What, what are the things you have to be looking at when you're doing conversion optimization? Uh, which is part of what we talked about in the beginning of the show when we said, well, there's no one trick for every website, but still people are looking for things to, to, to grab a hold on. So what do you look at at first when you look at a website? That, that's mainly what that. Yeah, I, I can totally appreciate that people are always looking for, for quick wins. The, the danger is that as soon as you start to do that, you, you really miss the, um, the, the big opportunities to, to massively boost the conversion rate. Um, I mean, when I start working with a client, the first thing that I'd be doing is actually using the website as a potential customer would. Um, so if that means signing up for the product, um, placing an order with the company, then that would be the first thing that I'd be doing um, and taking notes on the process as I do that. Um, if possible, using a tool like uh, Camtasia as well so that you can record 
your journey through the website so you can then come back to that in the future because a lot of the time you'll get a, a huge amount of insight in that initial visit um, because you'll you get a lot of you get a different perspective when you're using a website for the first time compared to when you're um, very very familiar with a website, which is why it's it it's very effective for uh, for e-commerce companies, for example, to work with an external consultant because they have that that fresh approach. So the first thing I'll be doing is, like I say, using the cus- uh, the website as a customer would um, looking to get insight from their from their visitors and from their customers to find out what's stopping them from converting. Um, it's easy to talk about things like you know make sure you've got a compelling headline you know trust symbols um uh, a compelling call to action and so on but ultimately that kind of stuff isn't really important it's like saying um you know recommending different kinds of um pills to take without really knowing what's wrong with someone first you know saying yeah antibiotics are really good but if if someone's got a a cold for example then antibiotics might not make a, a huge amount of difference um so really the the process that that you follow, that's where the um, the quick wins are. I mean, it, it sounds like a lengthy process to go to, to do usability tests, to interview the customers and so on. But I mean, like with Crazy Egg, for example, was a was a great example where we followed that exact process um, and doubled the conversion rate in, in three months. Only using Crazy Egg. Oh, no, sorry. Um, this was, uh, Crazy Egg were actually a, a client of ours. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, Crazy Egg were a client of Conversion Factory. Um, yeah. So yes, we did use Crazy Egg as part of the work, but we we used a couple of other tools as well. I think one of the, the most valuable tools is just to get three people off the street in the office, let them let them do it, and let the the, the managers and the people who decided what the website should look take a look at it and and, and embarrass the shit out of them. I think that's definitely <laughs> that's one of the more most fun things to do. Yeah, if, if, if you can make the if you can make the client. Um, start crying within the first half hour of working with them by demonstrating just how bad their website is. Yeah, <laughs> you might offend them, but they'll they'll appreciate the bigger picture. Yeah, there's a, there's a title for a show: "Make Client Cry." <laughs> <laughs> That's what conversion is all about. Okay, um, we got a couple more minutes, I think. Uh, so, Roy, you've got another question. Well, I think there's still one question left in in, in the. Um, in the difference between the Fisher website optimizer and, and Google website, we, we talked a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm seeing it in the comments over here. I mean, it's a very big question for a very small amount of time, I guess. Um, also, there's a, lo- a quite hefty uh, feature comparison list on the Fisher website optimizer page. Um, but maybe I can make it a more direct question. Um, how hard is it to implement the Fisher website optimizer? Because it, it, it looks pretty easy. But is it really that easy? I mean, yeah, it's 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 very straightforward. I mean, ultimately, it will depend on the complexity of the test that you want to run. Uh, that you want to run. Um, so, I mean, there there have been some tests recently that we've been running, which are hugely complicated, which are dynamic um, dynamic tests running on um, an e-commerce website. And depending on the e-commerce site that you're working with, it can have a a fairly complicated integration, which means that it's hard to to get the split testing software working. But Visual Website Optimizer, I mean, the, the tool out of the box is is great at being able to do those kind of tests. Um, and in particular, the support that they give on more bespoke solutions is um, is second to none. Um, so Paris, the guy who runs Visual Website Optimizer, I mean, he's in the past, he's responded to emails six, seven, eight times a day when we've been looking to do some quite complicated tests. And he's been you know, hugely responsive in, in getting back to us and helping us get get going with um, with these tests. Okay, 
Great. I think we should start wrapping up this show, uh, isn't it, Bas? Yeah, it's, uh, it's about our time. I, I, I was going to um, uh, put one uh, more thing in there, but we're gonna, I'm just going to want to post on that, uh, the Google Hotpot, uh, which they uh, launched yesterday, which is really, uh, well, uh, the reason why they changed local, I think, uh, last week. But we're not going to be able to talk about that here. So I'm, uh, uh, maybe uh, next week or uh, some other time. Um, but uh, Stephen, thank you very much for joining us and uh, I do believe we should do another show on this because we can, I think, talk on for hours on, on this. So if you are uh, um, willing to come back to us uh, on the show, then uh, you're very welcome. Uh, Absolutely, to. I'd love to. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks for, for being here and um, uh, if you're listening to this show uh, live right now, you can also download us from iTunes. If you are listening uh, for, uh, from the downloaded version, you can also listen to it live, which is actually very nice because you can actually join us in the chat room then and uh, discuss uh, the topics we're discussing with us. And uh, that will be every uh, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. in Europe, uh, 7 in the UK. Uh, that's 2 p.m. on the East Coast and 11 p.m. on the West Coast. Uh, thanks again. Uh, thank you, Bresco. Oh, and one last thing. If you want to go to SES Berlin, which is next week, um, we're giving away free tickets on Save the Search. So go there. Thank you, uh, guys, and bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.